0: Welcome to Modern Musings, Conversations with the Maiden, Mother, and Crone, looking at ourselves and the world through the lens of the 21st century. Hello and welcome back. I'm your hostess, Amber Garvin, and I am here with my co-hosts, Kristen Hessler and Cindy Murray. Hello. Hello. And if this is your first time joining us, we're glad to have you here. And uh, we just uh, wanted to welcome you back. This week, we are talking about women and STEM. And if you didn't know, February 11th was International Women and Girls in Science Day. So, uh, to celebrate this, we sat down and we had a little girls night watch of hidden figures. And we were just going to talk about women's achievements in science. And uh, before we talk about that, I uh, just want to put out there that a lot of women's achievements in science have been overshadowed by men over time. And there's actually a, uh, a name for that. And it's called the Matilda Effect. And that's basically is just bias against acknowledging women's scientific achievements. The Matilda effect was coined in 1993 by a science historian named Margaret W. Rossiter. And it talks about many different women over the course of history about how they have made these great achievements in science, won Nobel or been up for Nobel Prizes, which have ultimately been given to their men partners instead of them. Mm -hmm. And which kind of brings us into the movie and book Hidden Figures, because that is also about three great women in science that have been overshadowed until recently by men. So, ladies, I'm going to open this up to you. What did y'all, what'd y'all think of the movie? What are some great things that you got from this movie that we watched? Well,
1: I thought... Oh, go ahead, Kristen. Do you have- oh, just to kind of go along with uh, what you're talking about, the Matilda effect. When we were watching the movie, we would pause every once in a while and be like, how come we never heard of this? We never heard about uh, these women um, being a part of NASA. You know, even watching like Apollo 13, there wasn't any... Women characters in that movie, yeah. besides like the wives, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so we were talking about how the story was never told. Um, yeah, women right. suffered that, in silence.
2: That this was what I was just gonna going to point out. You know, I I was alive, not not during the John Glenn <laughs> stuff. I you know I came after that, but I was alive during the space race, um, men walking on the moon. I remember being in school and watching things like you know. And I don't remember ever anything talking about women. Um, I never heard the stories of these women. and, um, you know, so that was that was one of the things that we we've talked about,
0: yeah. And there are many, many women going back centuries that have been oppressed, like uh, women in science is not a new thing back before, the Civil War, it was quite common to have women scientists. And I know that, uh, you know, you hear a lot about Marie Curie, but and uh, she's very famous, and a lot of women look up to her, but there are so many more women that have been oppressed over time.
2: Yeah, or... You say oppressed. A lot of people would have what? an argument with that word. I'm I'm not arguing with your choice of word because pushed
0: down, pushed aside, put,
2: uh, hit, you know, overlooked. overlooked, overlooked. Um, and and yes, I, I think the ones who were oppressed were the ones who wanted to do those things, who weren't allowed to do those things, or didn't have the the strength or the courage to push through and do it anyway. Yeah. But you're you're absolutely right. During like during the Victorian age, there were a lot of women um, doing science and things that we just never hear about because yeah. the story wasn't told. The story wasn't told, and that and that comes to one of my big points. Um, you have to tell your own story uh, in a lot of ways, and yeah, we have been as women have been conditioned to sit still, look pretty. Um, Don't speak up. Don't rock the boat. Don't make waves. Don't, don't tell your story, you know? And so, but our stories are very, very important. Back last fall, we celebrated National Writers Month, uh, National Novel Writing Month. And I talked about the importance of documenting your stories and, um, different ways that you could do that. And I think that's a lot of why, um, these stories were not heard until now because women were not documenting those stories for a lot of reasons. And a lot of times history is written by men. Or the winner. Or by the yeah. winner. Uh, that That's the old adage, that history is written by the winner. But usually the men are the ones who come out on top. They're the ones who are writing the histories. And that's why it's all about men. I, I thought that was an important thing that I took away from that movie, was that those stories should have been told right along with The Glenn
1: going to space. Glenn going to space. Uh, You
2: know, we 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 kind of celebrate the engineers who came up with this stuff. Maybe not so much by name. Some of them that we did like the rocket, uh, the German rocket scientists and stuff that um, that helped us come up with that technology and stuff. But uh, in the movie, the thing that comes to mind for me is the scenes where Paul Stafford, who was a composite character of um, some of the engineers in the, uh, space task group at NASA, he would not let her put her name on the reports, or he kept telling her she couldn't put her name on the reports. And it, and it, to me, that had less to do with her being, um, black. It was really more about her position there because he said it was because she was a computer, not an engineer, and only the engineers could could write papers and she was not an author of the paper even though she did the math and I think that goes back to that that whole thing where you know the men were the ones who controlled the narrative there and that did eventually change but It took time and and it took persistence and a quiet persistence. She didn't go to her boss and say, I want to be put on the, on this report because I wrote all this stuff. And I think in part his reluctance to have her be part of that, he used that excuse of her being a computer, but it really stemmed from the fact that he felt threatened by her and a lot of times that's what has happened with women throughout history is that the men who surround them the men who write these histories feel threatened by the women and even if they don't admit it themselves or they may not They even, might even realize, it. realize it yes and so they feel threatened and the easiest way to keep it in control in their control is to control it. And I think we've found that throughout history that, that women have been controlled by a lot of different things. Simple thing in this movie they were talking about the NASA dress code. I don't know how much of this is true. A lot of this book um, and movie were were kind of fictionalized to yes. make a better story. but um, they talked about the dress code for women being high heels a skirt below the knees and pearls. Well, you know, I mean
0: it may not be true in like not NASA at that time, but it has
2: it been, has historically, historically been, true. been true. Yes.
1: Yes, yes cuz I remember my grandmother worked in medical records at the hospital and part of their dress code was she had to wear hose.
2: Yes, that was part of the well, dress but, you know, Men don't to have to, to wear. This hose. was in Dillard, the 90s and it was the
0: same thing in like the 2000s I worked at Dillard's and my dress code was hose, dress below, like at the knee and hose. Yes. And dress shoes, specifically, they wanted me to wear heels. Right. And I pushed back on that because I can't wear heels.
2: Right. And, and you know, the the, the difference is is that you don't see men having to wear a specific kind of pants or a specific kind of shoe. They just say dress shoes. Yeah. They just say dress pants. But women... No dress pants. So, In and in a lot of ways, that is a form of oppression because women cannot function in the same way a man can if they're wearing a dress and high heels. You cannot do a lot of things. No, you can't work on an oil rig or construction in a dress. Well, and you can't climb a ladder to get a box off the top shelf. You can't bend over to help a customer fit for their shoes. You have yeah. to squat a certain way or sit in a certain mm-hmm. chair. It is very controlling and limiting to your ability to function in your role. Most and it, definitely. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of rules like that in a lot of workplaces that are, you know, a lot of workplaces demand that their women, the, the women there wear makeup. Do you ever see them requiring that a man wear makeup? Absolutely not. (laughs) Now, so I'm off on this little tangent about, (laughs) um, you know, oppression of women. But, you know, really getting back to that, that whole idea of STEM, the idea of STEM is that there have always been, well, I'll say there's a drive to get more girls interested in STEM. There's a drive to get more women working in STEM. I will say, I know a lot of women engineers, a lot of women computer engineers, electrical yes. engineers, civil engineers. I see this all the time. But you don't, it wasn't as heard of when I was younger, when I was seeking out a career. And yeah. girls often go for different tracks. They, yeah, and they've, they've shown, they've proven that somewhere around fourth or fifth grade. The, and, and this is kind of old data, but I'm, I'm just pulling back from my memory that around fourth or fifth grade girls stop being as interested in STEM. That is not to say they quit being interested in STEM, but what happens is the teachers tend to start favoring boys, not intentionally, but girls are less prone to speak up in class because they don't want to be embarrassed they um also
0: boys are more talkative boys are more talkative they're more courageous they're they're
2: going to stand up and and answer or shoot their hands up and girls don't so then the teacher calls on the boys and that in turn causes um this by a sort of bias that starts to happen and so they're they're trying to educate teachers to stop having that bias You know, have they been successful? I don't know. I know... I just
0: want to point out there that as a teacher, I call... We do this uh, thing in my school called cold calling or um, rather... um, I have a number board. Each student has a number, and I pick their number, and that's who I call on. Okay. So I let fate decide. Well, and, and, that's, and it's a number that's wheel. Good, right? that's, that's really because you're not my picking My students call it somebody. the wheel of death. But right. Yeah, it's, it's a number <laughs> wheel, because I spin the yeah. wheel, and that's who gets called on. I like but,
2: that. But the, cool, the, the thing about it is is that it has not always historically been that way, and, and teachers tend to call on their favorites. They'll call on... Um, either the person who can answer it or Or they call on the one who's not paying attention or or daydreaming, which is what happened to me. So, and they do that on the ones
0: that aren't looking at me.
2: Well, (laughs) well, and that's, that's a form of, you know, you're trying to get them to pay attention. Yeah. But sometimes that can be perceived by them as being picked on or, or whatever. And so that, that sets up again, that bias. So um, I like the number thing that you do because I, I think that well, makes it more fair. It It is very fair because, uh, you know, each student gets a
0: number. They know their number. And then I spin my little mini wheel and their number pops up. Right. So it's uh,
2: they know that's, to that's,
0: expect that that their number might be called.
2: That's I, I like that because, you know, like I say, I I think it's important to to um, promote women in STEM. I think women are equally as capable of any kind of STEM job as a man can. We've proven this, but, um, again, you know, a lot of times women don't tend to, to lean that direction because a lot of, you know, at, there's there's this point where girls start leaning towards more creative things. The, the left I was brain, right ask brain. brain too, um, if
1: that had anything to do with puberty, though, too, because yes. when girls are at that age, then their bodies are also changing. Before yes. boys are well, and that and that's so that where that, might that embarrassment to more more nurturing and the yes. embarrassment and all of those things yeah. kind of come into the, play. So yeah, they, the they don't want to be embarrassed also. in front of yeah. the boys.
2: They don't want to be called on. They don't want to be. They want to just blend into the background, and um. There's there's a lot of really good books about a lot of that stuff too. I wish I could think of some right off the bat. I I'm thinking Reviving Ophelia is. It's been a long time since I read that one, but there's a lot of stuff about girls in puberty and what girls go through. Um, the the mental mind shifts and things and um, there's a lot of stuff there also. I think a lot of it helps to That's too, a very if,
0: good example in literature of women oppression. Okay, go ahead. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, Ophelia is yeah. absolutely. Um, and I and I don't know if you've ever read Reviving Ophelia. Anyone who works with teenagers, I highly recommend that book because it, uh, yes, I prepubescence have. or teenagers mm-hmm. because. It's an excellent, um, look into the mind and the development of the young female psyche. And, but I, I think also that, um, and one of the things that they talk about is the, um, the complex that girls have with their father, you know, that father figure thing. So I think if a father, a a male, strong male figure in that girl's life promotes, or encourages her in that scientific or mathematical or engineering or whatever in those STEM fields, then she is highly more likely to keep at it because number one, she may have already been interested anyway, but she's getting the support of a male. And we are wired to do that. We are wired to look for that support from that strong male. And so you're getting reinforced by someone you look up to a great deal usually, and and that just really helps. Uh, a strong That's mother is also another you know yeah, thing too. Most but definitely, but but definitely a strong father who encourages the STEM interest. Dads who share astronomy with their daughters or um, things like that. You know that always. Encourages that, yeah. Chris. You made me think of something else. Um,
1: in the story, the main character, uh, she's a single mother with three daughters, and her daughters, um, you know, this is in the '60s, so like her mom is having to help her raise her daughters, and her daughters were waiting up really late past their bedtime for mom to come home, and, um, during this time frame, you know, the world is still shifting from a men's workforce. To men and women working. And I think um, her perspective was interesting because she was also a single mother. There's an element there too, because it's hard on women to be mothers and career finders. She even said that she
0: had to be the father. She literally,
1: yeah, she said, I have to be mommy and daddy. And not only that, but she had to be, you know, a feminine person in the workforce, but also fighting for that spot where there's only men working. Um, just the parallels with her family as well as, like, the workforce in general. And still, you know, women are coming into the workforce. Now there's some companies, like where I work, where the majority of the employees are female. We're right. a mostly female-run company um, just because there's so much higher percentage. And um, some workforces are still predominantly men like the oil field for instance like right, you're not going right. to see a lot of women working out that, there that is so true unless they're or secretaries con- construction or like right. and it's it's hard on those type of jobs too because of the hours or the time or the right. labor intensive it's hard to come home and then also be a mom and yeah. even harder to be a single parent oh yeah so yeah. um that was one of the things that i saw too was the uh dynamics within their roles at home um, they touched on that nicely in the movie because, um, you know, there was one husband that was a little bit resistant to his wife, you know, being a strong working female. Right. And um, that's definitely something that women don't just have to fight it in the workplace, but we also have to fight the resistance in the
2: home, balancing oh, that work and life.
1: There's- and, um, you know, having that balance
2: with your spouse, too. There, there are still husbands who resent a wife who makes more money than they do and will, um, maybe not overtly, but subconsciously sometimes right. do yeah. things to make it harder on her so that she doesn't want to do I don't even do that think
1: that it's done, like, vindictively oh, well, that's or on it, purpose. No. I think it's just because this is the way it is. Right. right. That was one of the phrases. That's just the way things are. Right. We still haven't... It's not neutral yet. Right. Right. Once I mean, it becomes it, so neutral and natural... Getting then- there, but not yet. Like, we're still, like, uh,
0: you know, raised by our parents and grandparents who it wasn't neutral is, well, you know, yeah. very, like... Once, I guess, um, maybe our generation or the generation after grows up and they're used to equality of women and men in the workforce, then that will change.
2: I I quit wearing pantyhose and slips in the 80s, and my mother thought that was the most horrible thing in the world. Um, You know, I would wear sandals, and they were open-toe, and you could see my toes. And, you know, if I stood in the sunshine you could see the silhouette of my legs through my dress oh my <laughs> and i'm like okay is that any different than wearing pants is that any different than wearing a bathing it's suit just the I initial to... thought it hasn't <gasps> been erased from our it wasn't yeah. that was still the way they thought and you know if if sometimes the the groundbreakers are gonna get that flack um Not because anyone is intentionally trying to keep them down, but because they just haven't thought outside that box yet. And we all still have that same knee-jerk reaction. Right. And, you know, my mother never thought about the fact that I go to the beach and wear a bikini all the time. Well, I don't anymore. but, um, (laughs) But I did back then. And no one thought about the fact that you could see my upper legs. So why is What's, it a bad thing if you can see it silhouetted through my skirt?
0: Yeah, it's it's really it's just like a really interesting concept because a bikini looks like a bra and underwear. And underwear. And, and that it's was like acceptable. You can't wear your bra and underwear out in public,
2: but you can wear a bikini out in public. My bra and underwear cover up more more body parts than some of those bikinis that I see. So I mean, you know, really, seriously. Um our perceptions of things are because that's the way we've been conditioned to perceive them. And so in that way, we have been conditioned to think that girls don't like math. Girls don't like science. Girls don't want to be in STEM jobs. They want to be, Mm. they want to be teachers and nurses and homemakers, homemakers or, you know, crafters or whatever. And there are a lot of women who are actually crafters as well, who hold engineering degrees and, you know, have retired from great engineering jobs, you know, and have contributed to a lot of important works. I can
0: totally, yeah, yeah, I can totally
2: get that. Like,
0: uh, I was definitely encouraged to become a teacher growing up. Right. I wanted to be a veterinarian when I was in high school. That's, I love Science, which, you know, that's why I'm the host of this podcast. But, um, and I tell my students this all the time. They're like, if you couldn't teach, they, they always ask me, if you didn't teach English, what would you teach? And I said, science. And they're like, really, you like science? And I was like, I love science, especially oh, astronomy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm not that great at math. Okay, I kind of am. But, I mean, I kind of... Push that part of myself aside other than shopping math of course I love shopping math
1: <laughs> getting
2: your bargains in yes exactly that's,
0: that's the math that I use every day okay. well
2: I you know I I'm the same way I when I was young I thought I might want to be an architect um my dad actually started school to become an architect mm-hmm. and then he dropped out of school to work and raise a family and Later, as I got older, I decided I wanted to be an audio engineer, and that's what I went to school to be. I was like the only girl, yeah, in my department. For there were other girls taking those there classes me, when Chris and I yeah. were in school, either. It, it was predominantly male. There were a few girls that were there while I was there, but I think I was the only girl in my graduating class. And um, I don't know if there had been other girls before me. I don't know, but I was I was pretty much a rarity, and. And when you go, when you went looking at the people who were working as audio engineers, um, we're you know we're talking um, television studios, radio stations, recording studios. uh, Podcasts didn't exist at that time, obviously. A male-dominated, male-dominated as well. You just just triggered something I never realized, but there were like
1: no girls in my communications and well. Oh yeah. My graphics arts. Right.
0: I can I can think of like maybe 3 or 4 in uh, radio TV radio? film. Right. Yeah. So. Oh
2: yeah, I think there was two girls in in radio TV film when I was in school there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not very many at all. And so that, you know, that I think that kind of plays into it, but I was always fascinated with those with those things, but I also um wasn't supported in those engineering fields or in those scientific fields. I loved earth science, um, which they call physics now. They called it earth yeah. science when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I loved all that stuff. Geography, or geography, geology, um, you know, the astronomy, all, everything like that. Weather. I loved all the weather and stuff, too. So it's, Yeah, I was definitely discouraged from... My parents encouraged yeah. me to become a hairdresser. Oh yeah, that's totally, um, Uh, yeah, because I could, I could support my family and, um, you know, and and I think their thought is, you know, you'll meet somebody and you'll get married and you know, whatever. And, but you can make a good living. That was, that was it. Not, you can do something that you love or whatever. And I, I did go to cosmetology school. I got my license. You know what I loved about cosmetology, cosmetology school? The science. I loved Mm -hmm. chemistry. We did um, chemistry of shampoo and the chemistry of the dyes and the perms. I loved all of that stuff. So, you know, but I was not encouraged to pursue those fields. And so, you know, I didn't care too much about math. I let, and I cared, I, I became where I cared less and less and less about those things because it wasn't going to serve me. And so I I just never did it. So, you know, yeah. I got enough math. I can do math. I actually found out as an adult that I can do math a whole lot better than I thought I could. Um, I may not be educated in the math. Yeah. But I can do the math. And maybe if I had been encouraged and had spent a little more oomph, at it, you know, maybe yeah. I could have done it now. My son, he's he is uh, a math minor and um, and he's really really smart at math. But sometimes he talks about math and I'm like uh huh, and then sometimes I'm just like uh deer in the headlights, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not so
0: great past algebra. I mean, I can do physics okay, but I definitely like a, yeah, what you're talking about being encouraged. I wanted to be a veterinarian. You know, I wanted to be Dr. Amber. I wanted to work with animals when I was in high school. And I got discouraged away from that because my parents kept saying... Oh, well, you have to do a lot of math if you're going to become a doctor.
2: That was what I got a lot of math. You have to do a lot a lot of
0: math. And, you know, where I liked math and I was good at math, it was just math was my dad's thing. And, you know, being the rebellious teenager that I was, I shied away from math because it was my, quote, unquote, dad's thing. Right. And so I started pursuing more creative arts Mm -hmm. such as writing which of course I was not really encouraged to be a writer either because writers quote-unquote don't make any money or creative people don't make any money and you know I was always encouraged to be a teacher because that was the safe bet and I used to tell my parents that I was not going to become a teacher and in reality I I uh, grew up, and I did student teaching, and I fell in love with teaching, so I started becoming a teacher.
2: Yeah, I don't, I think with Kristen, Kristen, you were really good at math. I remember you, you hit that, 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 um, that time frame that I was talking about, fourth, fifth grade. Yep. So, Kristen had, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a little of your history here, and I'm not gonna be real specific, but. Um, She was like one of the best students in fourth grade math. I got reports from her teacher all the time that she did great. And then she went to fifth grade. And she had a teacher that was not so great. And then she had another teacher that That's was when even... I started liking boys. You can't blame it well, all on Well, I a know, teacher. but you also had another t- a teacher. Because I remember who well, was and... in my fifth grade math oh, class, yeah. <laughs> and I know who that was. I was over well, there staring off in yeah, the space. But yet. also. The, 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 your but, mom
1: is a parent. But, but, yeah. And... But I
2: also see <laughs> other things that you didn't see, like a certain teacher whose entire class, I'm not going to. Oh, I name, remember that. Yeah. The entire class failed the benchmark te- um, test. Prepping for the, was it TOSS at that time? Yeah, TOSS, it yes. yes. It was tossing. TOSS at that time, um, which is the Texas Assessment of Academic yeah, Skills. I was about to
0: say, if you're not from Texas, you probably don't know what that is.
2: Yeah. And um, and so they, they would do benchmark tests throughout the year just to see the progress of the students. And her entire class failed. Now, who do you think is to blame for that? I'm not saying that teachers, you know, um, there are teachers who are incapable this, this, of this teaching. This is a hot
0: question that I'm really
2: I know, I know it is. And as I'm a not going I'm <laughs> not trying to go there and I'm not trying to shame teachers at all because I think teachers are wonderful underpaid civil servants who give a fabulous um un, unrecognized service just like the hidden figures people do. So, um, you know, I, I think they are totally unrecognized for what they do. And, uh, I have a lot of friends who are teachers and I adore them all. I do know there are sometimes, um, bad apples and we don't want them to spoil the whole bunch, but there are also teachers who are misplaced. Um, my own son had one of those teachers. She was formerly a sixth grade teacher. They eliminated sixth grade from the elementary school and moved it to the junior high, but she did not want to teach junior high, so she stayed at the elementary school, and they put her teaching fourth grade, but she required her students to work on the level, the maturity level of a sixth grader, and it caused such strife that the teachers were flocking to the principal in droves to get their child moved out of her classroom. To the point that the the principal finally had to say, no more people can transfer, and so then they begin transferring out of the school. So, um,
0: okay, I, I mean, I agree with like, the, and it, I'm not saying a she's a bad like teacher. That. She
2: I was mean. not a bad teacher. She was an excellent teacher, um, but she was an excellent teacher for sixth grade. That was what she was really good at, and she had unrealistic expectations for fourth graders. Now, I don't know. What the problem was with the teacher that Kristen had. She could have been a bad teacher. She could have been a good teacher with bad curriculum. She could have been a good teacher in the bad in a wrong grade. I we don't we know. Two
1: really bad kids in our class.
2: And really bad kids. There are, you know, that socioeconomic divider that they use often does is often a predictor of children's performance only because of the environment that they sometimes grow up in and the support levels that they get at home. So but her entire class failed, bombed the benchmark test. None of them were going to pass toss. And so they all had to come in for tutoring. and it, and right around all of that time was when Kristen's interest in math just went. Bleh. Now,
1: It may, it may
2: have done that anyway. We don't know, but, and that's my point is that this whole, it, it all happens about that same time and they are trying to find ways to address that issue because it could be, um, puberty kicking in and the girls just don't want to speak up and the girls don't want to, you know, and if that's the case, then, then how do we address that How do we make it so that the girls feel safe speaking up in class without segregating, without segregating them or singling them out in any way? And I think that's that's the main issue. We want everyone to feel welcome and safe and encouraged to participate in STEM. Now, Stephen went to a, a STEM academy here in Carrollton at the RL Turner, um, METSA Academy, Math Engineering Technology and Science Academy. And, um, he, he, it was mostly boys, but there were a lot, they recruited a lot of girls there. And, and I was really excited to see so many girls in those, in those classes. And, um, as opposed to what it might have been like ten years earlier or something, because um, the, that program didn't exist ten years earlier. But you know, what would have, what would it have looked like? There may have only been one or two girls, if any. And I'd, I'd like to see more. I really do. I just don't. know I how. think that
1: it's something that just happens exponentially over time, because, and I don't think it's just STEM. It's just women in the workforce and women becoming a predominant or equal part of society. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we still haven't had a woman president yet, but we're getting so close to that that you can almost taste it. Um, You know, women in
0: politics. I mean, this is a completely different topic, but it's hard being a woman Even in a predominantly female-dominated workforce as, you know, as it is. Like, it's hard being a woman and, you know, trying to pay your bills and...
2: Raise a family. Raise a family.
0: I mean, I don't have that experience, but you know what I mean. Like, it's it's high expectations. There are very high expectations. You know, and and, uh, checking off the boxes and doing the things... That you want to do, it's it's really hard because you like a, especially a you know you don't want to step over people, you don't mm-hmm. want to be cutthroat, but right, right, and it's just uh and a lot it's of times- hard because if you just sit back and like a just think that your work is gonna outshine you know some you get overlooked sometimes.
2: Right. Well, I, I, I like where you're going with that because you're talking about, you don't want to be cutthroat and things. And oftentimes, especially, um, in my generation, a lot of women were, um, who were career women or who put their career before their families or whatever were, um, looked at
0: in a negative way, very
2: negative way. And, um, even though even though now there are stay-at-home dads or there are dads that work from home or who share equally in, uh, and I say equally in quotes, equally in the raising of the children, a lot of times men still do not fulfill the entirety of that role. Um, it is still looked at as the woman's role to be the nurturer in the family and come home and make dinner, even if you've had a hard day or whatever. But when I, you know, when I was younger, we, we had some very negative things to say about women who chose their um, their career over their family. And, you know, but I was probably part of that problem as well because as a, I was a working mom and, And then I saw that my children were suffering because I had to put job before family or the job was taking more out of me than I could afford for it to take out. And so Mm -hmm. then I became a work at, you or I stayed at home mom and, and it changed my children's, um, development. It, it really does. Um, and, but that expectation was still on us, you know, to, to be that nurturer, to have that nurturer who was, uh, picking the kids up after school and sitting with them to do the homework and, um, things like that. And, you know, I, I looked down on women who, who didn't put their family first. I did as well. I, I try not to do it now because I realize that, um, you know, sometimes it's not a choice. And even if it is a choice, why isn't a woman allowed to make that choice? A woman should be able to make that choice just like a man does. A man doesn't, doesn't have to choose whether to go to work or take care of his family. A man does not have to choose to um, go to work or pick up his kid from school. It's just assumed that somebody else will do it. But if it's a woman, it's like, what? You can't come to your kid's school play? Why not? You know, and, and we still kind of look that way. But so I think that's a, we, we have to be part of that change too. We can't look down on our noses at women who make the choice to work or, or who make the choice to stay home.
0: That's a good point that you bring up there that like, um, I feel like sometimes, women are other women's biggest oppressors absolutely
2: absolutely yes
1: and I feel like that was also um depicted well in the movie it was probably with a composite character right right um Kirsten
0: Dunst's character
1: yes Yes. I really felt like the whole time I was thinking you know if women would just rally together and help each other instead of pick fights with each other
2: yes yes
0: yeah that, that's a, that was like the biggest, you know, in the news when um, women were doing their women's march, like if you look online at the message boards, Reddit and all of that, the ones that were making fun of the women the most were other women.
2: Right. Right. That's probably something in their ego because they're not a part of it or well, or they're threatened by threatened it. By they're it. threatened yeah. by yeah. it in some way, you know. And and I think that goes back to the the stay-at-home mom versus the working mom. The stay-at-home moms felt threatened by the working moms because they were afraid they were going to be forced to go to work. The working yeah. moms felt threatened by the stay-at-home moms because they were afraid they would be forced, forced to. to stay at home. And and really we should support each other in those choices and you know it it all comes back to um, another thing that came in my head you know there there were so many Uh, as I said composite characters so the book is uh is roughly about the the these three women who worked at NASA but most of the other characters are are composites of other people um just to to ease the storytelling and um what in one of them uh one of the white uh I'm not sure what she was she was some kind of supervisor um she was uh, played by she Kirsten like Dunst over, over all of the women. The women, yes, yeah, and um, and she she said something about I have nothing against y'all. And she was meaning the black women, um, but this is apropos of of all of this. Um, and uh, uh, Dorothy Vaughn said, "I know you probably believe that," and um, she like you said she kind of opposed things all along or she, or she just say resistance. this is there was resistance this this is just the way it is or you know blah 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 but it comes back to that point that people make all the time if you are not part of the solution you are contributing to the problem yes. you cannot just allow things to slide you cannot allow things to be the status quo you can't just say that's the way it is. You have to look for an opportunity to be the change that you see in the world or right, that definitely. you would like to see in the and, world. And yes. we
1: all know that times are changing because everything has been moving more rapidly, like I say, exponentially. Yes. Um, even with other things with gender inequalities, I would say that we cannot come at it and be surprised when there is something new that changes when someone is the first to do something right you want to be ready to accept it so that you aren't being the force against it yes um
2: get out of your ego yeah Yeah, don't be don't be threatened by their advancement don't be threatened by someone else's liberties they're not taking away your liberties they're yeah. just seeking their own. They're opening the door. They're opening the door. But, but it does not in any way affect your own liberties or your own station. Um, and if you have an idea, go
0: for it. Because if you don't go for your idea, then other people are going to.
2: And, I and tell your story. I think if, if any one of those women's stories had been told a long time ago, uh, we might be looking at a, a different today. Um, like I said, we, you know, we looked at the space race and stuff when I was in school. We we learned about the the race to the moon and all these things. But never once was there any mention of any females of any kind.
1: Except um, for the
2: first female astronaut. Except for the first female astronauts. And, uh, and that was a long time later. So, yeah. you know, none of that... Um, none of that was brought to our attention. And that's because nobody ever told their stories. And so if we can't always control whether somebody else tells our story, that's, that's not up to us. What is up to us is that we make sure our story is out there, that we tell our stories, that we document those things, that we share those things with other women, with our families, with Whatever. Um, You never
1: know who you're going to inspire.
2: Right. And, you know, that comes back to a Becky Higgins thing. I always talk about her. Um, She's the creator of Project Life um, and My Modern Story, which is a story documenting or, you know, to document your own stories. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: um, what she talks, one of her quotes is, um, you never know, you know, who's going to be inspired by... The stories that you tell, the story that you tell to about your life today, may be somebody else's survival guide. And I, so I don't know true. if that's exactly the quote. I will. I, I've heard I'll put something. The, uh, I will put the before, exact yeah. quote on the on the heard it on the podcast. But um, that when I read that, I thought that was pretty fascinating because um, it, it was something that kind of inspired me to start telling my story. Um, And to share with with Modern Musings because I think that's what we're doing here is we're sharing our stories and hopefully inspiring other people to share their stories as well. And once all of our stories are known, then they, they're not quiet. They're not hidden anymore. And, and we shouldn't be hidden. We're as much a part of history as, as anyone. So Yes, we deserve to be seen and heard. Yes, so women in STEM, whoo, let's do it. You know. Yes. Do Do we have anything else, Kristen? You have anything else you want to talk about? No,
1: I think we covered everything. Okay. It was a very touching movie. I did want to say that. I, I did I, too. I, did. Yeah, I really, had it, had it, it was we really need. well done. Watch the movie. I was Great ashamed actresses. I hadn't seen it before. Then I yeah. waited way too long to see it. Yes. Yeah. And,
2: and, yeah. It was really good, and and it's really and sad a very good to book watch. Also,
0: the, so if you haven't read the book, read yeah. the book. Also, I always encourage to read the book first and then watch yeah. the movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I agree, but I you know I, it was sad to me to also see the, and I think I'll say this. I'm I'm just putting this one little thing out there, um, the girls. Kristen and Amber were kind of surprised by some of the racist things that happened or that I wasn't surprised it no, just no, affected it was just, my emotions very right, right. emotional well, no, some I, I, of the things I'm talking that about happened. like the the scene with the police officer because your first reaction to it was oh the police is going to help them and I right. sadly knew what was you know what would probably happen when the police officer showed up you know so um it just, it was just very, you know, it's it's very shocking
0: to like see that on film because it's not how we grew up. Now, Cindy, well, I know you grew up. in It that is. Time. Ha- it some it, of it, it is still like her the same. having to it run, run you to grew- a different bathroom yeah, a mile right, away. Right, because, right. Yeah. I grew up
2: in the in you know with some segregation still going. Well, there still is in in a lot of ways. It's just more covert, and sometimes more overt. And I don't want to get into that at all. But um, I, I guess what I was just saying was that um, it's, that was what a, a lot of what touched me with that movie, because uh, it's sad to see so many brilliant people um, who were part of making this great history and, and that they were overlooked for so long. And that makes me sad. And, um, I'm glad that something good came for them in the end, even if it was hard fought. And, um, and there, and this is the same true story of women in STEM from ages on, you know, they've, it's been a hard fought battle and, uh, we don't always see it portrayed the way it was on this movie you know we sometimes it stays hidden we there there's probably things we will never know um I think somebody uh, was it you and me Amber or was it one on one of our podcasts where we were talking about um Mary Shelley's husband a lot of people suspect that maybe her husband or or at one point in time suspected that her husband was the one who wrote Frankenstein and Oh, well, that,
0: that, that, not just Mary Shelley, but but like a a lot lot of, of,
2: a lot of, like
0: the female author known as George Eliot. she had to change her name mm -hmm.
2: to George just to get published. Right. And so, um, so, you know, it, it happens and, and there, there are many of those stories that will never be told. We will never know that that was what actually happened. Um that it was actually a woman or whatever because some Mm -hmm. man took credit for it and I'm not saying all men are are out there to get us or whatever you know I'm just saying that that history is gone there is no record of it now and um and that's sad so that's that's one of the reasons why we have to make sure our stories are told so that somebody else doesn't get credit for it hello yeah definitely my sister used to swear that she invented velcro a long time ago so velcro tennis shoes not velcro velcro's <laughs> velcro is invented by the by the uh by nasa uh, or okay. jpl or somebody for the space reminds
0: me of Romeo and michelle i invented post-its post-its yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but uh yeah so you know that's that's just what I'm, that's my story i'm sticking to it <laughs>
1: Okay. All right, what are we talking about next week? Well, you are the hostess, so what are we talking, uh, about, are we next talking about next week? What are we talking about next week? And if you're interested, by the way, in any of our conversation with role reversal, gender, um, we also have a fun, I'm not going to reveal the title, but in the next coming weeks, we'll be talking about um, boss babes and... Um, <laughs> Role reversals and gender uh, in relationships, but uh, just a sneak peek on future coming episodes. There's more to come because we'll be touching on this subject again in different uh, aspects. But next week, we are talking about making your bed every day and whether or not you do that and why you should or shouldn't or... Yada that yada. So we'll be debating. Me that that. I didn't make my bed. Late. I totally didn't. <laughs> Not today. Well, Not today. I didn't either. Yeah. No. So that is up next week. Look forward to that. All right. I'm and, looking forward to it.
0: And we'd also like to give special thanks to Red Door Studios, Creative Audio Tech for our music and recording equipment. And of course, where would we be without our listeners? Yes. So if you're just listening to the podcast, you're only hearing half the story because we have three blogs, four actually, that come out every week related to the podcast.
1: Oh, yeah. The fourth the one is like is a supplemental. Supplemental. On the podcast, we
0: heard it on the podcast. it the podcast.
2: comes out yeah. on the same day. As, so yeah, as post.
0: head on over to modernmusings.net and check out our blogs.
2: Yeah. And keep listening and keep bringing your friends to listen to you because we like you and we want you to... Engage with us. We want yes. to hear what you
0: think. We want to hear, like, we join our Facebook group, MMC Chat. We want to hear from you guys. Yes. All right. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.